Welcome to Transition, Gadgets 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about Nintendo Direct, NES Classic being discontinued, HTC Vive's rumored India price, and something about Battlefront 2. So before we begin this episode, we'd like to ask you to write to us at podcast at gadgets360.com if you have any kind of feedback, if you want to share your thoughts, ideas, tips, whatever with us. And we'll be more than happy to, I mean, respond to some of your questions and comments on the podcast later. So first up, let me introduce the people who are going to be talking about all things gaming today. Uh, we have Rishi Alwani, who's our games editor. Greetings. We have Mikhail Madnani, who's become like a podcast regular by now. Hello. More and like furniture, but okay. Yeah, and I'm your host, Pranay Parab. So I think we should start by talking about the major Nintendo announcements that happened via Nintendo Direct recently. So Rishi, you want to go first? So Nintendo basically has something called Nintendo Direct, which are, I think, quarterly or every time they have... In a run-up to big announcements, or rather in a run-up to big releases, they have something called Nintendo Direct, which they use to let fans know directly what to expect. And it's been going on for the longest time. Uh, the latest edition showed off Splatoon 2, which is their squids meets kids third-person shooter with paintballs. And uh, that's out, I think, July 21, if I'm not mistaken, for the for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, they had a demo for it a while ago, which is surprisingly very good. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when the full game is out. Uh, that aside, they also talked about ARMS, which is their new uh, uh, fighting game, or brawler as some people would like to call it, which fuses DNA and uh, letting audience, and, and there's an audience component to it as well. And I think that's out when? Uh, that's out in uh, June. June. Uh, June 13th, I think, which seems like a week after E3. Yeah. So they have that. Uh, aside from that, they also talked about uh, Minecraft, which is still a big deal for some yeah, people. Yeah, like... Uh, the thing with Minecraft on Switch is we all expected it. They, they When they had the reveal for the Switch, they said it's coming. But we never had a release date. So we now have a release date. It's, uh, I believe, May 21st or May 12th. Cannot remember. But yeah, it's coming out in May. Uh, no pricing yet, which is going to be interesting because so far some games have been more expensive on the Switch compared to other platforms. Uh, this will have exclusive skins from uh, Nintendo characters. Like I think they call it a Super Mario mashup pack. But the other interesting thing is this is going to be, uh, it's obviously going to run better on this than it does on the Vita. And the Vita is the only proper portable version of Minecraft. It's not like uh, toned down in any way like the mobile yeah, the or pocket edition. pocket editions. So uh, Minecraft on Switch is basically going to be the full version and you can pick it up and play anywhere. And since it's just like lower than the Xbox One power-wise, it's going to be really interesting to see how it is. Uh, I want to know how they handle... Uh, the local aspect of it because uh, the switch has this uh, LAN adapter which they've been heavily showing off and like they show it off in tournaments and stuff so I want to know if they'll have local co-op via LAN and stuff like that it's going to be very interesting I'm going to pick it up for sure because I have Minecraft on everything now so yeah we'll, we'll definitely get it uh, I think NES Classic is the only platform where Minecraft is not there right yeah that and probably windows phone soon you know when windows <laughs> phone inevitably dies after the last yeah like microsoft whenever they mention mobile they just say ios and android now so yeah like <laughs> it's just a matter a of solitary time. tear sheds for the solitary person still giving a damn about windows phone <laughs> yeah. yeah so um, nintendo's uh, games lineup so far has been quite uh, interesting i mean we were wondering if they would have something uh, to release before the event yeah like uh, when they announced platoon 2 and uh, arms is release date 
like Pranay was wondering, even I was wondering what's going to be the release for May because they are clearly spacing out their big releases. So they have one big, at least first party or big third party title per month. So people don't like get bombarded with 20 releases at launch and then nothing for the rest of the year. So May obviously seems to be focused on Minecraft. It's going to be a huge deal. It sells well everywhere. And also there are other games like Disgaea 5, which Rishi's been playing on Switch. It is so good. Like Curry plus Football Manager plus Demons. Can't go wrong. So yeah, that strategy role-playing game. I played it on PS4. Going to get it on Switch. Uh, But they also announced some 3DS releases. Uh, There are a lot of games which Nintendo releases in Japan that uh, either don't make it out or make it out later. So, thanks to that, uh, the 3DS is going to survive in the West a little longer. So, there's this game called Ever Oasis, which is an RPG which is coming out uh, in June. Then there's another game called Metopia, which is basically like... uh, uh, What's the game they have on iOS? Metomo. Metomo. It looks like Metomo made into an RPG. So, that's a thing. And also, uh, Capcom's Monster Hunter Stories, which is a turn-based RPG in the Monster Hunter universe, is coming out in fall. So... Uh, it looks like 3DS still has a lot of life and it doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. Yeah, uh, in fact, like Atlas just announced three releases which are updated ports and new releases in Japan for the 3DS when the Switch is still there. So I, I foresee it like lasting till easily till 2020 in Japan or 2019 and maybe around the same time outside. Yeah, What's going to be really interesting is when the next Pokemon mainline game comes out, what happens? Well, that we know, right? Stars is first. That's not mainline. Yeah, it's not ma- I mean, it is mainline, but for the Switch. It's like it's like the yellow version or the crystal or whatever. Everyone like, wanted the yellow version because Pikachu, so... Okay. So, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, at some point, Nintendo's going to have to cut off support and let go of the massive 3DS user base. 3DS is basically like the PS4 of handles user base-wise. Basically, uh, it's going to be interesting to see when Nintendo pulls the plug on the like near 70 million user base of 3DS worldwide and focuses fully on the Switch because you have a, a hybrid which can run everything. So, yeah. So, I'm not exactly sure if these uh, two user bases, they overlap that much or... But at some point, Nintendo is going to need to... I mean, like, it'll just... I. That's what they said, right? They're going to focus on this. And this, even though they said both are going to live side by side, it's basically just they want people to buy the leftover inventory and whatever games are coming out. Fun yeah. fact, the last time Nintendo said things would exist side by side was when the DS came out and the Game Boy Advance was being, well, shelved. But they didn't say the Game Boy Advance was being shelved. They said you could still buy it and both will coexist. So... Don't take Nintendo's word where this is concerned. So yeah, that's why, like, basically a year or two more max. Look at the bright side. At least it had a longer shelf life than the NES Classic, which (laughs) was what? Six months? Less than six months? That was a really odd move, wasn't it? I mean, discontinuing that, right? Yeah, like, for one, it had constrained supply, which is, like, almost anything Nintendo releases. And... uh, Except Wii U. (laughs) No, even the Wii U is, like, pretty hard to get in most places. But... uh, the NES Classic, they, they should have aimed to have that on holiday shelves so that anyone would just buy it for nostalgia as gifts. But knowing Nintendo, you have to buy it and you have to be awake at a certain time, refresh pages, try and order one. And yeah, if you didn't get it, it's gone. I think there's a reason for them discontinuing it right now. It's probably because they're going to have another NES Classic, which will probably have a second volume of games on it. I mean, it's quite... It's the, I, the think, NES had a, I think they're going to do a SNES classic. Or an S classic But yeah, like that's going to happen in... Uh, the, the other volume of games doesn't really matter because the people who actually wanted more games and wanted this found a way to sideload. 
exactly they so they pulled an android on it so uh, i think uh, discontinuing it so fast was a little weird maybe they actually just planned on doing this many and don't want to do more but uh, they probably announced something else for the holidays because then again in the holidays if they do a snes classic it's a 60 dollar purchase but you also want people to buy mario odyssey for the switch and there will be holiday bundles true or the other way of going about it is perhaps it means they're going to have greater focus on online services oh yeah virtual console may be finally launching yeah. so they want people to buy stuff there because they're going to earn a lot more from uh, one virtual console purchase at 4 or 5 dollars versus uh, the the NES classic which gave you 30 for 60 dollars with hardware yep. yeah the only thing is that they should probably just announce that these things are limited edition collector's edition whatever they things. do they everything yeah. they say is in limited quantities i mean we saw this with the uh, zelda special edition and the master sword edition that stuff sold out you can't mm. get it anymore and uh, eBay sellers are charging like hundreds of dollars just for the case which came in the special edition. Yeah, so, but I mean ultimately that's not what Nintendo would want, right? People They got more than 100% attach rate. Yeah. I think that's what Nintendo wants because at the end of the day it isn't just pure revenue, it's also the fact that it's mind share. Exactly. Yeah, mind share and all is fine, but I mean would Nintendo really want uh, some other some of these scalpers to make profits of I mean you can't things? really control that it happens with everything even Horizon Zero Dawn's collector's edition is one of the rare Sony first party collector's edition to actually sell out around release and not be available anymore and scalpers are going wild with the statue and with this like the steel book and, and stuff like that so And on one side scalpers go wild on this and on the other side you have wonderful works of art like order of 1886 where the collector's edition with this ginormous statue was going for like under 50 dollars so i mean it, it works it, both it, ways it happened with the uh, the titanfall 1 and halo 5 collector's editions as well like these were like easily under 50 dollars so yeah this stuff happens and uh, but i don't know the nes classic i think they should still have, they should have sold it until e3 I mean, I, that's what i think i don't know i think like and besides I'm kind of happy it's gone because at the end of the day there are so many ways to play the titles you want that you're not restricted to Nintendo's own way of playing it which is frankly in my opinion expensive hard to find and quite literally garbage because if your phone can do the same why would you break your head with it so Yeah but like no one who's buying this is going to use an emulator they're buying this for the novelty value and plugging in everything like and using on the same controllers no one's actually like doing this when everyone probably knows you can emulate this is just like for giving as gifts and stuff like that so basically posers <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah, all right the problem. isn't that why you ordered it i haven't that's you the best did. part so speaking of other expensive things <laughs> yeah there's something called the HTC Vive which costs i think what 5 rupees i thought we no, were transitioning no. to scorpio being expensive but no transition that <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. No, so uh the HTC Vive is rumored to hit India on May 17. Uh it's going to cost around 90,000. I heard 93,000. Uh you can check out uh Yeah, you can repeat that price. 93,000 Indian rupees is yeah. what it would it could cost you to buy the HTC Vive virtual reality headset. Now some perspective on this price. Uh the Vive released globally on April 6 last year. uh it received one price drop for a day where 799 became 699 on what they called as vive day which is i think last week april 5 april 6 when it hit globally around that day and uh after that it's same 799 dollars um india price well is going to be 93 uh what's interesting is several sources so several sources have confirmed that it's going to be heavily priced 90k plus uh they've also confirmed that uh the price also includes installation 
Uh, now, I wouldn't know what they mean by that, but I'm sure it has to do with someone coming to your house and finding the optimal location to put all the trackers. For the room scaling. Yeah, thing. for room yeah. scaling. Yeah, and it has only about like 3 million wires connecting it. Yeah, it actually so, yeah. has a lot more wires than PSVR. Apparently. What? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh, wow. It does, it does. It's it's not as simple as the PSVR is, So. Honestly. So point is, yeah, then on top of that, there's also going to... Now, here's where it gets interesting. Uh, Amazon India has exclusivity uh, for, I think, a two-week period. Or so. I think May 1st to May 17 is an Amazon exclusive window. Okay. I think it's going to go as well as the Xbox exclusivity went. <laughs> yeah, so That's I don't... what HTC looked at. Look how successful Xbox One was in India at that time. <laughs> Let's capitalize on it. And uh, it's going to be at Dell stores after that. Uh, where? Dell stores. Yes, okay. Dell has retail outlets here. <laughs> Are allegedly 150 retail outlets which I don't know where they I'm are, really okay. struggling to make sense of this deal except like if they think that people buy high performance gaming PCs from Dell in this day and age and they want to connect their HTC wife to that so and it gets even more amusing is uh, the fact that you know it's a year late it's available at 90k and at the same time we usually tend to give other companies like Sony grief for delaying hardware by 3 months so just to put it in perspective, this is really messed up. Mm. And at the end of it, let's be honest here. If if you it, that basically means if you want to buy a decent PC, VR capable high end PC plus Vive, you're spending close to two lakhs or at least one and a half, which is yeah. in my opinion highway robbery. I'm not saying that it's well. One and a half is still a very very conservative estimate if the Vive itself is going to cost. So basically, ninety three k for the Vive. Yeah. Uh, for that much, you could buy. Uh, if you know where to look, you could buy. A PS4 Pro, a PSVR headset, an Xbox One S, Xbox One S adapter, Kinect. Oh, forget that. You could buy no a one Switch. Wants Kinect. You could buy a Switch, PS4 Pro, and Xbox One S for under 93k. Uh yeah, you could do that. And but some games as well thrown in. So yeah. No, you just get PS Plus, get the games for free. <laughs> but yeah, so 93k is what it seems to be. Um, hopefully, we'll hear an official confirmation. Now, when we reached out to HTC about this, their only response was, uh, yeah, we're bringing Vive to India and we'll, and we'll keep you posted when we finalize the details, which is, okay, cool, confirmed. I mean, as far, as good as it gets right now. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm also interested in all this, how they managed to clear BIS for this because uh, one of the, interesting aspects on PlayStation VR was the fact that BIS took a prolonged amount of time to the point where they had to, you know, send it in for, for approval, send it in for checking a good six months before release, before it was actually cleared. So it'll be interesting to see how ACC went about that. That aside, there is also it's also going to be sold to enterprises and education. That's going to be handled by ACC themselves. So this is a thing, this is happening and uh, a year too late and too expensive in my opinion, but hey, at least it's here. Yeah, the pricing in particular, I can't really understand what, what they're doing because in the US it's 799, right? That's 53, 52,000, yeah, something like that. Exactly, 52,000. Yeah, so it's almost like double the price, exactly. which is just insane. I mean, even if you take take into account taxes and import duties and all of that, yeah. I still don't think 50% markup, like, hmm. they're like, uh, Apple, hold my beer. <laughs> so, <laughs> Pepsi, bro. <laughs> what's what's interesting though is that whoever I spoke to and whoever's confirmed and collab- corroborated with this information uh, when I w- when I brought up that yes the price is tough the stomach the only response was like uh, in hushed tones one word HTC so make of it what you will <laughs> alright then Rishi you want to talk about Battlefront 2 so yeah, uh, aside from all this stuff, The Force was with us this week as there was Battlefront 2 that was announced. For those of you who who have been living under a rock, Star Wars Battlefront 
uh, was available f- for all consoles. I mean, the PS4, Xbox One, PC uh, last year in, I think, 2015 uh, on November 17. It was a multiplayer shooter based in the Star Wars universe. Uh, there was no single player campaign, which I'm still very sore about. This time around, uh, publisher EA has decided we are worthy of a single player campaign. And apparently the story is crafted by the guy who worked on Spec Ops The Line. Now, I know, I know a lot of parts of the internet are like gung-ho about it but let's be honest here spec ops the line was a very dark game and had and had a few tropes which i found to be really like amusing that you'd find in a game but okay and at the end of it it was a great game but then if people are expecting the same amount of emotional uh of of, of an emotionally charged story i don't think that's going to happen in the star wars universe but it's nice to know that EA is paying attention to what people want, so that that's what's happening on this on the story front for the single player campaign. There's also going to be a multiplayer campaign that's being sorry multiplayer component that's being done by Dice, the same guys who made Battlefield and Mirror's Edge. And there's even a VR component because apparently VR is the cool new thing for everyone these days. That's being made by Criterion. <clears throat> what's interesting though is Criterion uh, were the developers behind the classic Burnout series of racing games, and for some reason they're not. They basically become a VR studio, much to my dismay. And they're doing they VR. They also for make some Need for Speed game. Yeah, they made uh, one of the best Need for Speeds in, in recent memory, which is the reboot of Hot Pursuit, which is really, really Who good. Who made Most Wanted? And uh, Most Wanted was done by EA Black Box. The, ones, the one that was on Vita also. Uh, no, that was done by Criterion as well. So yeah, that was a good That one as well. Yeah. So uh, that's the situation there. So Criterion is doing VR for it. What's interesting with the single player campaign is that it's done by EA Motive. It's a studio that's being run by Jade Raymond, who is responsible for the Assassin's Creed franchise at Ubisoft. Uh, so it's good to see that EA has actually lined up everything to ensure that there's a single player experience. Uh, November 17 is when everyone can play it. But if you have EA access, you can start playing it from November 9, which is, I think, a good thing. Check it out before you buy. Um, What's interesting also is that it's going to be using EA's own tech, which is a Frostbite engine, uh, which basically means, long story short, if you have a decent PC, it'll run better than what it will on consoles. They're they're very good with their optimizations, at least for PC. So hopefully we're going to see more of that. Uh, There's no season pass, which is a big deal in my opinion, because usually what happens is if you're playing a game with your friends and if you have a season pass and they don't, they kind of left out. They fixed that though with Battlefield 1. They had they had this new... Because what they do is Battlefield Premium, which became the season pass for Battlefront, is a $50 thing. It's not like 20 or 30 like other games. So a lot of people obviously don't want to buy this. And if you don't, you can't play the same maps. Your friends can who have that and they get put in different playlists and stuff. So what they did is uh, with Battlefield 1, they tried rectifying this by letting an owner who has maps invite other people who don't have maps to play it and while the owner of the premium still has uh, still is in the game you can still play but if he gets booted out or if he leaves then you got to find someone else yeah it's it's just like a workaround to an old to, to a really old solution that uh, certain pc games used to have back in the day particularly counter-strike uh wherein uh, if you if your friend invites you to a game on counter-strike and you don't have the same map the game just downloads the map so it's it's a nice way it's a nice kind of workaround this time around but it's also good to see that season passes are slowly dying and that's great because it means you're paying less i hope not really I because uh, they most definitely will have uh, microtransactions and uh, i can't imagine cosmetics really working out in the star world universe because uh, there's only so much you can do to stormtroopers you're not no one's going to pay for a pink or purple stormtrooper yeah, but they'll pay for a black stormtrooper it's called a death trooper 
yeah those are already there in the game yeah, that's my but... point like what costume stuff can you even do to that so the only other things you can start selling are gameplay modifiers and then that doesn't end well i don't think they're going to touch gameplay because if they do that they they're going to lose any sort of credibility and we've seen this in the past where 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 uh, activision did this with modern warfare remastered yeah they're still doing it and it's not ended well it's more or less fractured the community so i don't think it's something ea wants to do particularly when you want to run your game for an extended while so uh I don't think they'll probably go the whole game changing route what I, what we might see is I mean there there's still room for cosmetics man today if you send if you sell me let's say let's say sunglasses for a stormtrooper I'll buy that I I don't see that working so uh fedoras for chubaka no one's going to do this turtlenecks for luke skywalker this is why no one comes to you for game advice from ye <laughs> that's why yeah because because so, it's in the game challenge podcast over challenge okay. everything so uh not having premium is good because uh, now you can buy your game from any region and everything will be delivered as updates you don't need to worry about that stuff but uh, yeah if you want to buy the micro transaction which almost 100% will be there you you need to worry about these things what i do think though is that rather that what they could do is instead of modifiers is probably follow the fifa ultimate team approach where you have some form of legendary characters where it essentially turns it into a game of gacha and kind of like that's that's modifying gameplay that's that's what i said how is it modifying gameplay when i can have one version of luke skywalker and get an ultimate version of luke skywalker to play as it in terms of a skin or whatever because the ultimate version will be more powerful no because the ultimate version looks better so what if you pay more then your xbox one version will become into the pc version of luke skywalker <laughs> no scorpio version <laughs> so yeah uh like it's going to be interesting to see but uh, I'm also surprised they didn't announce the uh, console, which they almost hundred percent will do a custom PS4. They probably might announce this closer to uh, the holiday season when pre-orders start. But yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, because this time around their marketing partner is same like last time, which is Sony. Uh, uh, and I think even though they didn't mention it at the event itself, there was a leaked trailer that showed off. the force is strong with playstation no that's there in the oh, official, there in the official trailer, trailer now trailer? yeah great yeah. so that's a thing and uh, it all now why is this this used to be important because it meant content came earlier to one platform we don't know if that'll be the case this time around but yeah let's see yeah let's see indeed so i think we can now talk about the games we've been playing this week yeah i think we've covered pretty much everything in terms of news so uh, who wants to go first mike you go first because i'm proud of you for playing a real game for once <laughs> yeah so i've been playing this game called steam world heist on my iphone okay. so uh, i don't know anything about this game except that mike you recommended it to me and you said it's a god tier awesome game yeah. so i just started playing it uh, it's a, basically it's a turn based uh, what turn based tactics yeah uh, strategy 2D, game 2d uh, it's uh, yeah it's it, it's it, a 2d strategy game in the steam world universe it's the second steam world game after steam world dig which is more of an action type game uh this is set in like a steampunk universe uh, the art style is really good characters are really good they have they're very good dev studio so Uh, yeah, I've been trying to get more people. What's the name of the studio? Image and Form. Image and Form, yeah, okay. So yeah, I never really played anything by this studio and was really impressed with the art style as you said and even the story. I mean, I thought the story would be quite, you know. No, it's really good yeah. and they've uh, it released on 3DS first and they are very good with accessible accessibility options. They went sort of like the Fire Emblem route where they 
have a very very easy mode and they also have a super hard mode mm. depending on your skill level so the reason they brought this one to iOS and basically every platform every important platform is uh, it's turn based tactics so precision input isn't really needed you can just swipe and play uh, i don't think steam world dig which is their action game which in real time would work on iOS so this one's really good and it uh, it gets discounted once in a while so like once in a while basically once every 2 weeks or so it it uh, actual price is 800 rupees okay. keeps falling on iOS at least to 550 all the time okay, and I, I, 400 was like the lowest it went okay i after i get a game i stop looking at price yeah talks. i mean like everyone else clearly well it's been playing i've been playing a lot of things uh, across a multiple platforms so there's this game called asura the demon king which is made by a local studio uh, ogahead it's pretty fun it's a roguelike uh, you essentially play this demon kid who's decided to kick ass and take names because he was sent in as a human sacrifice and all that it's interesting it's a fun game really polished combat but i mean the ui is horrible the ui makes touches look good and it's 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 a bit problematic from that aspect the lore is pretty it's a missed opportunity i felt they could have done more in terms of storytelling but they didn't um that aside it's a, actually a fun game there's some controversy controversy around it over the week because the game's chinese developer chinese publisher sorry the game's chinese publisher thought it was a good idea to leave uh, fake reviews on the steam page and users found out and it became a complete mess the developers had to go out and say it publicly that you know it it was done by the publisher not us and it became a big 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 bit of a drama so situation. this is a game that got the same score as uh, breath of the wild right yeah same score as breath of the wild and same score as alia but bollywood <laughs> so there we go yeah this is why, this is why nintendo's never coming to india yeah <laughs> yeah about that yeah but uh, they may just we've heard some rumors that nintendo's officially coming to india through a certain well known e-commerce retailer also snap deal perhaps okay. or is it snapchat now now both the same in this country is it snapple oh well played no so aside from asura i've been playing a lot of uh, uh dawn of war 3 uh the embargo for the review is uh, the 20th of this month it's pretty good it's a lot of fun uh more of the same if you've played the last two but that's never a problem because they're so good and the elite units are are pretty cool to use too so yeah that that's looking to be really good so tell me something can you play as a non space marine units as well oh yeah i mean yeah. you could so they, they they've they've juggled a lot of things around if you've only played the first game so first game the major focus on the first game was the was the space marine campaign here you play as every race and what's really nice is at the very start your one campaign is space marine second campaign is orc third campaign is eldar and keep switching around mm. so it's really cool and also like uh, total war warhammer i believe uh, had some pre-order bonus which you only got chaos forces to play with yeah, so if you pre-order so is there anything like that here if i'm not mistaken there's nothing around that yeah, okay. in this in this game which is good in a yeah. way yeah so it's a, so that i've been playing a lot of that yeah. and uh, and they don't let you play as chaos forces do they uh i that might just be towards the late game i guess mm. uh, so yeah whatever yeah, you like finish midway so far, through think, midway yeah. through uh that aside i've been playing uh i've been trying to get deus ex mankind divided to work on my pc and failing miserably because for some reason uh g- trying to get the game to run at 1080p with a gtx 1070 and 16 gigs of ram and an i5 processor doesn't happen mm. it's running worse than powerpoint powerpoint has a higher frame rate than deus ex mankind divided so yeah that's so been what exactly then. i've been doing that aside yeah a lot of persona 5 on the ps4 and uh 
essentially some Overwatch. The the new, I I don't think it was Uprising, even though we called it Insurrection last time because of the French leak. It's called Uprising. That's a new expansion to mm. oh, new event for Overwatch. That's been fun. Player versus enemies always fun. So yeah, got some cool loot boxes. Got got this really cool uh, intro highlight for one of the characters called Diva. Diva is is a is a Korean character who has a mech. So when the her special ability is the mech explodes, like she can just leave the mech, the mech will self destruct. So she has a really cool intro where uh, she takes a selfie as the mech self destructs. Oh yeah, I've seen that so, one. I have so seen that one. So managed to get yeah. that. So yeah. like I'm done. I finished uprising. I don't have to play uprising anymore. So yeah, yeah that. well. Uh, so Overwatch, Mike, your favorite game of all time? Haven't really put much time into it. Uh, wow, I yeah. never thought I'd hear you say that. Uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, some interesting stuff. I've been playing this game called Graceful Explosion Machine on Switch. Uh, it's an indie game which uh, has an art style that reminds me a bit of Fez uh, with a more modern look, and it basically plays like a side-scrolling shooter. Uh, that's also an action game with melee combat. It's very interesting. You have multiple weapon types. And uh, yeah, like uh, for some reason, it feels like I'm playing a, a a shooter, a spaceship shooter by Platinum hmm. made by an indie dev. So it's really fun. Like uh, I've made my way through, I think, 20% of the levels. Pretty cheap. I think it was only $8, the game. It's coming to Steam, PS4 and Xbox One later, but like it's on portable. So I got it here. Yeah, so speaking of Fez, wasn't there some rumor that it's coming to iOS? Yeah, officially, Fez has been officially announced for at least iPad. I don't know. If it'll probably come to iPhone as well. But uh, finally, after years of like saying, yeah, yeah, we're bringing it to other platforms, it, they said it's coming to iOS this year. So going to pick it up there as well. But no, so a Graceful Explosion Machine. Then I finished playing Full Throttle Remastered, which is uh, a, a remaster of like a 22-year-old uh, PC point-and-click adventure from Tim Schafer it's the first game like which was his main project so it's really good it's like this rock and roll heavy metal adventure that's actually good and not brutal legend uh so you play as this biker who gets stuck in some bad stuff and the last motorcycle manufacturing facility in a future world is gonna switch over to making minivans and all weird things happen with the uh, cavemen and random things so yeah basically mm. really good uh, it's like Grim Fandango Remaster and all. It's the third release in that. And it's available, or it's going to be available on literally everything but Xbox for some reason. So, yeah, there a lot of that I think had to do with uh, the publishing deals and also with the fact that... I think a lot of developers got really angry with how Microsoft treated them on Xbox Live Arcade. So they've just ditched them completely this time. Yeah. Like we saw this with, uh, like Fez was originally there. Even uh, Super Braid, Meat Boy. Yeah, Super Meat Boy as well. like Castle uh, Crashers, Braid, all of them. They started on Xbox Live. And, and they've all ditched them. Like, The Witness finally came to Xbox almost a year after PS4. But uh, yeah, a lot of them have been very vocal of how they didn't like how Microsoft treated them last year. And so yeah. uh, Xbox-only gamers are missing out on a lot of stuff. So as of now, Full Throttle Remastered is available on uh, Windows, PS4, and Vita. It's coming on Mac ios and steam os like very soon yep so it's it's really good it's like six hours long if you if you played point and click adventures back then i wasn't i was only playing epic mega game stuff so yeah like it's really good soundtrack is superb so really like that and uh, making a lot more progress in breath of the wild i think i'm like nearly 50 hours into it now it's huge like I think it'll take me longer to finish this than it did for persona 5 and That's that game was something. like 130 hours or something for me yeah. so yeah Basically that, and uh, I got, yeah, Overwatch, the the first five boxes I opened 
after playing like six games in arcade mode, I got almost everything I wanted. So doesn't look like I need to spend money on loot boxes, <laughs> which is a good thing. So yeah. yeah. So which is the other game that Tim Schafer is working on? Psychonauts 2? Is it out? I don't even no, know. Psychonauts 2 yet. is going to come out soon. But he did Broken Age, which was called Double Fine Adventure before. Yeah. Which it was is bad. A, it was so good, dude. It was bad. Okay. Someone broken can't... puzzles. Oh, oh, I forgot. Like One uh, broken puzzle. It's a, the entire game. It's a, Thank it's you. a puzzle game and uh, Rishi Alwani cannot play puzzle games. I can, but this is an illogical broken puzzle. So like, why? And honestly, <laughs> the other problem with Psychonauts 2 is, I mean... I'm sorry, when you use FIG as your method of funding, which is kind of still a little shady right now, not all the terms and conditions are known, not all of their legalities are known, especially if you want to back as an investor. Yeah, there there are some issues there. But yeah, let's see. Psychonauts too, yeah, whatever. All right, then. I suppose uh, that's all we have for this segment of Transition. And we'll be back after this short break to talk about a TV show called The Handmaid's Tale. So we are back after the break in the pop culture segment of transition. So first of all, let me just talk about what we are going to be speaking about in this segment. That is a show called The Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale was actually first published in 1985. It's a book by an, a Canadian author called Margaret Atwood. So Margaret Atwood is not really known to be a science fiction author per se. Most of her works are probably in the literature genre more than the science fiction genre. So she uh, is known for some uh, amazing speculative fiction works such as Oryx and Crake, apart from Handmaid's Tale uh, itself. So The Handmaid's Tale, everybody who reads this book should know that it's not really a science-y science fiction book. It's more of a dystopian uh, future uh, in which, you know, it's not really a post-apocalyptic scenario, but over there in the dystopian future, there are a bunch of things that have changed. First of all, the fact that fertility rates have dropped too much and women are perennially held in captivity. So they are not allowed any rights. They're not allowed to have any money. So this makes for a very good show right now because the situation in the world is not exactly sunshine and rainbows, is it? So that's why there's like so much interest in this uh, show that Hulu has released right now. And we thought that we should be talking about it. So I think we should introduce the people who are going to be speaking on this podcast first. So we have Royden Sarejo, who is very interested in all sorts of TV shows and movies. Hello, Pranay. And we have our resident pop culture expert, that's Akhil Arora. Hey, everyone. Yeah, And I'm your host, Pranay. So I think the most important thing for as far as Handmaid's Tale is concerned is that it's really true to the book, isn't it? I mean, uh, you have read the book, Akhil. I have read the book. Uh, yeah. yeah, I haven't. Yeah, new to the whole yeah. thing. But I felt that from the beginning, we saw three episodes, right? That's yeah. what Hulu allowed us access to. So first three episodes, I thought, were remarkably true to the book, even though some things have changed. Right. Some things do have changed, which we'll talk about later in the yeah. episode. Um, but yes, this is very close to the book in the sense that it is following that sense of dread and pace that we, we've come to expect from the book's words and everything. Yeah, the soundtrack really sets the scene. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that is actually one of the major changes, I would say. Because like, yeah. when you're sort of reading the book, you create your own sort of world imagination, right? That's what words are supposed to be. But... And you don't normally associate the kind of songs they've used, which uh, people will see when the show releases next week, is not what you associate with the Handmaid's Tale like situation. Like it's so like dark and brooding, and you just like no have the characters have no hope. And suddenly in the second episode, I think was it the end or the yeah. first episode, there, which like the rock hit comes on. Don't you forget about me? I was just like, mm. okay, I wasn't expecting that at yeah, all. That was the second one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the way they've used all these songs is actually quite good. Even in the third episode when they're showing that protest scene, right. uh, that was, I think, Heart of Glass uh, yeah. by Blondie. So even that was yeah. a very nice use of a song. So the other thing I noticed in this one is that, I mean, I 
when i read the book i keep thinking of these things as very prominent uh, plot points right the eyes for example right. so they are these uh, organization of uh, spies and network of detectives among people yeah. who really want to find out who's breaking the law and all of that so every time i used to think about like eyes here they say it so casually oh it's an eye oh it's an eye so start looking down just look away cooperate yeah. with them but in the book it's like i written like e y e with e capital so it's like every time these guys come in uh, in the in any uh, any particular chapter mm-hmm. then immediately you are like a little scared okay like there's that sense of dread happening but that i thought you know was a little more subtle in in yeah, the tv but show. they they have done a nicely to sort of set that up and then deliver on the payoff right yeah. so in the third episode we that's what we get yeah um, i'm not going to reveal too much because i want people to like enjoy the show properly but we do get a scene where we get that sense of dread from the eyes we like we know their full extent and how much leverage and you know power they have in society which is what they were able to like deliver on yeah. eventually yeah so yeah. right and you haven't read the book right so i mean from whatever you've seen so far what can you tell us about the world of the handmaid's tale yeah so i mean uh, this is obviously uh, i've gone in completely blind because obviously i have yeah, no yeah, idea yeah. about this yeah. but what i really love even just from the opening scene itself where they're being chased by these uh, military guys is just the way they have shot it the cinematic cinematics are done very well and especially the narration like you as you're watching it you are obviously wondering when is this happening when is this taking place you know what is the timeline i mean how many years has passed since society has crumbled and these people have taken over and as you're watching a lot i mean as you're watching and the the narration in the narration itself they kind of drop hints as to what exactly has happened and i like how they leave these lit- i mean they reveal bits and pieces of what actually has happened from the regular world in terms of the flashback of the main protagonist uh so i think that's done very well and i think in the, there wasn't a single moment where i felt bored or it was like just dragging on there were scenes which is just put there as like a filler yeah, that's or something sort of they've done like really very, very well paced from the book right in the sense that they've uh even in the book like they just start middle on in the future timeline we're not given any sense of what has happened to the world and as rodin said like even in the book we get slowly snippets and snippets of how the past world and how the revolution came to be and what the society is now yeah so like it's how we came to this first place. person narrative right yeah, which yeah. helps because it's almost like a diarist perspective yeah. like which is why she sort of we know what's happened in the future but which is why we get this like when we get this from a constrained point of view it's not like given entire unrestrained access we don't know if what are the commanders and their friends are doing when they're meeting up or what the wise are doing it's all through offred's perspective every time yeah and that's where like i mean when roiden was talking i was like you know the reason i asked you this is mm. because i just wanted to see that from a newbie's perspective to this universe uh, like what exactly you'd notice and the first things you mentioned which is that um chase sequence and how yeah. like they drop these hints slowly so that's exactly how the book also pretty much pans out so the chase sequence doesn't really happen in the book in the beginning okay. it, like it is mentioned somewhere midway through okay. uh, but mostly like you are drop these tiny tiny hints about the world so you do know that you know the country that they are in which is technically america but it's not yeah. called america anymore yeah. it's become this overly pious religious republic of how do you pronounce it gilead gilead yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's america become, is now like we should probably tell you so like if from the book like they've expanded gilead's powers now as we yeah. can the episode show us and we we're told that gilead now controls the entire mainland yeah. and us's capital which is the remaining us is base capital is now anchorage in alaska yeah. mm. so that, that that dialogue really really tells you how powerful these people are right yeah. Yeah. that the revolution like which we sort of given snippets they don't it started with something really small it's just like 
they they destroy the constitution they kill the members of congress but like it has blown big large enough and big enough over time to like capture the entire land yeah so part of the reason why this is so relevant even now even though this was written when in 1985 yeah. or even before that actually it was published in 85 so you notice that scene where they have this uh, suddenly they just take away all rights from women they block yeah. their cards yeah, and they throw them out of work right yeah. so like i think that's something that can be done today in an instant like that's the know? thing about like when she when she like wrote the novel in 1985 or 1984 um we don't have computers like if you in the in the novels in the no, not the novels sorry i'm the, sorry in the book you remember that she calls a computer bank computer count and all these things which mm. they don't need to anymore because we have smartphones we have yeah. phones which is a nice thing you know they've modernized those aspects to like sort of you know align with our world which and you can relate with them much better mm. so when they walk into that coffee shop yeah. and her card doesn't work you like you know what this could easily happen yeah. cuz like every bank knows the gender of of, of their person who the account holder is yeah. and they could if they wanted to they could just like be like okay so mark all females and just like you know what cancel their accounts yeah and these days you know you could do it via gender via even sexual orientation yeah. via income bracket exactly, via community yeah. anything practically so that aspect was something that margaret atwood wrote in the original book even though she didn't say that uh, what was it i think she said my card didn't work Yeah, she, uh, she, because we had yeah, cars back we had then, but cars, we didn't right, really yeah. have like the connected world of today, where you yeah. know other things like happening so simultaneously and so easily. Like one of the things, one of the scenes that really like disturbed me, and I felt really possible. And I've like read reports about this, especially like even in India in 2017, is the one where they you know it's like the the boss calls a meeting and he's like, you know what? I'm sorry, I have to let let all yeah. of you go. And I've read reports about this happening in like in states of India where. You, you know the elders actually don't believe that women should work anymore mm-hmm. that even their property and money should be controlled by their you know the the, the father in the family or the husband in the family and yeah and it's not which just is what India. it is right atwood has said so many times that everything in the book has happened sometimes in the past somewhere in some part of the world nothing it is is fabricated or created for the purpose of the book yeah so atwood herself wrote the book as a response to the rise of uh, religious right wing groups at the time and you know it i thought it was a very nicely done response overall and that's why it is one of the classics of um, yeah. i would say science fiction but people find it hard to believe that this actually is science fiction yeah because atwood herself like keeps calling it speculative so she like yeah. sci-fi for her is like robots and things talking it's she calls it i think giant squids in outer space yeah. she, which is why she calls it speculative fiction as well yeah but then this is dystopian so yeah i mean rodin what did you think i mean did you think of this as a science fiction thing or were you more like this is just you know normal stuff that anybody can really you know watch uh no i mean yeah it definitely didn't feel like a science fiction uh, show as such but uh, yeah definitely yeah more towards the dystopian era of once society and everything breaks down i, mean, I like how they've adapted like as you said i've not read the book but then based on what you were saying from the book i like the way they have adapted it very well to film and also the the parts where they you know cut between the present day and the flashback it doesn't feel abrupt the editing is also beautifully done and they also do i mean the flashbacks are drawn uh with parallels to what is actually happening over here yeah so as i think that ep- as in the second episode yeah, yeah so yeah. Th- i think that's very well done you know i mean there's it doesn't really take away from what you're actually watching I and mean, when they bring you back to the present you're not like oh wait okay yeah i forgot about that yeah so the that's that i mean it took me a little little while to understand that and i was like i'm so glad that i read the book because i know that these scenes are not like from today they're happening in another but that's the thing time. i mean it's yeah. done so well that even despite not reading the book 
I wasn't I didn't feel lost like mm. I knew okay they're cutting back to this is what has happened in the past and now you know yeah so yeah. thankfully like, I think you should point out like people who have ne- don't know about the show at all like all yeah. the book is that in the future Gilead society everyone has like color coding clothes right so you can probably explore that if you want yeah so <laughs> I don't know how much of it I think that's like that's be- a very easy way to sort of realize where they are in the timeline right yeah. so if they're wearing their color coded clothing which is red for handmaids green for Martha's hi this is they've done green for uh, the wives here okay? the wives yeah yeah the wives here it's like grey or something for grey for Martha's yeah, yeah. and yeah. then black for commanders or and the eyes somehow which is the yeah, same yeah so at this point I think we should like explain what these terms mean yeah, right. yeah. so <laughs> basically <laughs> so uh, and they have like very weird greetings also oh. yeah <laughs> yeah, so yeah which is again like religiously forced greeting like drawing yeah. from the old testament and everything yeah, yeah, yeah. so anyway so in this basically what has happened is they've assigned all women to only child rearing abilities that's it and that too not child rearing for all of them childbirth for some of them and taking care of the children for some others so what basically has happened is all the men in the society are divided by rank so the people above a certain rank only they get uh, the right to marry and yeah. assign a wife basically it's it's more like an arranged marriage except you know in this case uh, i don't think the woman has to like the man or the man has to like the no, woman no it's just basically like yeah they yeah, assign it marriage, yeah. pretty much so it's like a contract and then uh, basically if they fail to have children then the man is assigned a handmaid so f- for that to happen at least going by the rules in the book you have to be above a certain rank junior yeah. men don't get assigned wives or handmaids so handmaids only get assigned to somebody who's sufficiently senior enough and the birth of a child is actually considered like uh, good good enough to be like uh, to raise your social status it probably would earn you a promotion of some sorts in in the military ranks and another thing here that uh, we probably haven't mentioned so far is the mathas which is these are women who uh, help out in the household they're older women yeah. and uh, their sole job is to take care of the commander and the um, wife yeah, so women are handmaid. basically who are not powerful enough to become wise and don't have viable ovaries to like give children yeah. or because they're old yeah. and end up becoming marthas or yeah. they become aunts in yeah. some cases yeah so they i mean for actually you know for a dystopian future uh, i was quite surprised by how intact all their infrastructure is i mean they do mention that fertility rates have fallen which is really like not explained in in the show so far and it's not even explained in the book uh, right but honest. like they have given hints like you know i was talking to Ryan about this yesterday and then you know that the slides on yeah, the on show to the the upcoming handmaids is the and you can see in the the powerpoint sort of not the powerpoint size anymore cuz they, they don't seem to have the such modern computers anywhere uh, which is funny right because i don't see anyone use smartphones even though like they show us an era where people used to use smartphones and clearly it seems to have been disbanded or outlawed or something for some reason anyway so in the slides you can sort of read about you know toxic waste and nuclear radiation which is sort of you know the same hints that the book gives right in terms of why the fertility rates fell like that and combination of women choosing to not have children yeah so i mean you can see that in the, they have this past timeline right where people are using smartphones and all yeah. so over there you can see that i mean only one in five babies are surviving even right. then yeah. but like there's no real explanation of like exactly how that happened and how many people are affected by this but yeah i mean for a world that supposedly has had these nuclear explosions and all all the infrastructure seems quite intact like i, I would have entirely needs to be a single you know down to an attack as well it could be born out of conditions nuclear plants itself which doesn't need to have the same kind of destruction or which could also explain why they're living you know in a enclosed environment because we haven't been see- to- told anything else like i think because the show is going to go on much longer than the book will because the book was like basically offer its perspective and that's it we didn't get to see anything but i feel like at this 
some point in the show we might be shown a different city and i would love to see that especially because now gilded is so much more powerful because like how are people living in other parts of the us like is it as bad everywhere or is it like you know there are some people fighting back cuz like that's what we are told right there's a civil yeah. war going on like yeah. is there an actual civil war going on or is that just a lie the gilded is telling us to make sure nobody represses or is gilded even winning the war like for all we know this is their last bastion right it could be they could be lying about the whole 50 states figure like maybe anchorage is not the capital maybe gilded is losing the battle and people are fighting back against yeah because things. whatever i think news trickles down to these people is right. definitely all control so they just want they they will tell you the they news want probably what they want yeah, yeah what they want you to know so it would be nice if i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of questions obviously i mean yeah there's there's so much you can explore like i mean i as much as i love the book how it handled it with the show you can you can have this perspective where you know like one season could be offered and maybe cuz at the rate is progressing i mean cuz we both read the books right pane yeah so i think and about 75 to 80% of the book is already covered in the first three yeah. episodes wow. three episodes at this rate and they have 10 episodes in the first season and if it's going to go on this rate i don't see like what offered story is supposed to be yeah. after point maybe they make up their own story or maybe no, they have a different season where you know they actually go about exploring something else yeah but then yeah like you said and they they can explore so much more like who are these uh, religious cuz how did they go about bringing down yeah. the government and all that stuff so that will happen so in the past timeline that keeps yeah. going on in parallel yeah, right? yeah yeah but i mean there is so much that you can easily i think fill this and nice maybe even another season it's called handmade tale right so it doesn't need to be offered its tale it could mm. be another handmade tale living in like yeah. on the west coast Yeah that could happen. So uh, so far at least it's only been 3 episodes. So I think the plot arc of Offred is one that they they are going to be taking uh, up constantly. There's one for Nick also who I feel is a major character. Yeah, the driver. Yeah, Nick is a driver. And yeah. Offred is getting much more emphasis here yeah, because Yeah, so Offred's arc like I thought they would just you know end it right there yeah. because that's what that's what happens in no, the No, but book. the reason yeah. I knew they couldn't end it is because they got a big actress for it. like ah, if you okay. get Gilmore yeah. Girls is leading like member Alexis Bledel you there's no way you can ship her off in yeah. the episode yeah uh, okay i did not know that yeah uh, so that, that's the thing like so that i thought of new because like i was like this is a big actress there's no way she's shipping her off yeah so that and then the commander's wife also i feel will have a, a big part yeah. to play somewhere yeah. down the line so uh, people have seen her in dexter or either one more show i forgot but like she was there in dexter for two three seasons you remember remember as she was dexter's girlfriend or oh, yeah. right? what yeah she, uh I don't remember Rita? her name from Dexter. No, not Rita. No, not Rita. The I don't know what was it called. Maybe Rita was, was his wife. I yeah, mean. Rita was his wife. Yeah, she was the she was the she was the murderer, right? The yeah, she one. was the mo- fellow murderer, like yeah, which who like in. No, I said I knew her face was very very yeah. familiar. So I couldn't place her though. Now that you from, mentioned yeah. Dexter, yeah. So yeah, yeah she, I mean. she might have might have a bigger role as well too. I think. Yes, I'm pretty sure that she will. And have. even like Janine, like I feel like is gonna have you know in the in the book Janine is like there basically for like few chapters, right? She gives the birth to a baby and then she disappears in a few. Yeah, pages. and actually, I mean, you know, spoilers here. Sorry, but in the book, <laughs> the baby is not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, that might. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So they, <laughs> but it's okay. That. I'm pretty sure they might show that in the. I mean, like this is we haven't really. Like, I mean, we just mentioned a character, right? It's like the first few episodes, so like people will know what we're talking about in a week. Um. But yeah, so the Jenny has been giving these, given this new arc, right, which we won't talk about, and it feels like they might have a bigger role, and it could like sort of become like a new ensemble, like a because they've picked up actually two characters. Like if you, if anyone's seen the Orange is the New Black, they will know that both Janine and uh, Moira come from that show. Mm. So it's sort of like they've given like big enough actresses there that who can handle, you know, carry like arcs upon themselves. They don't need like 
offer it to be always there for them which is what they've done with off game right they've sp- split up at that arc and center on own journey so uh, going forward i would like to see more um, narrative viewpoints honestly because this one is quite appealing uh, offer its viewpoint but i'm pretty sure like if you're having a show with multiple seasons i don't think one narrative viewpoint alone will what do you think justice. about that change? like the, i think this is like a big change like for book people but like shows people won't even notice it is that the fact that they've given her name she states it like in the, at the end of yeah, episode 1 yeah i was like oh it's a very no. thematic big change like yeah. they kept that intentionally away from us in the book for a reason for reasons we find out later in the book you don't know of red's real name Like oh is it she yes, never like reveals she it. never like yeah. atwood never reveals that part yeah. like she's it's hinted at in various prospects okay and people have sort of drawn out these those clues and like you know have come up with the name and but it's never like as direct as that is it in the show yeah here the, she just reveals it at the end of uh, second episode and the first the episode, first episode, episode the first episode yeah. is her basically her declaring mm. my name is dash mm. and i feel like if there's not going to be a bigger meaning of this then it's sort of sad because it is a, a fundamental change sort of to yeah. do that and i hope they they have thought why to do this at least yeah but i mean a lot of this is driven by the narration which is where like this part also comes right, in right yeah. so her narration was really really strong i felt but i would like to see other uh, viewpoints especially ofglens uh, viewpoint yeah. i forgot her name emily right yes yeah. so sort of has to be given a viewpoint now because ofglen earlier in the first two episodes she spends all the time with offred mm, so it's yeah. okay we getting offred's narration mm. but now we sort of have to see insides ofglen's mind because she's on her own now so yeah. it'll be very interesting to see like what she's going through in the society yeah and at some point they hopefully they'll also reveal how they come up with these names of fred of glen is it like father's name and of no, as no that's a in the book right prefix. the same thing it's the book right yeah what is in the book i i don't remember oh you remember so as the book as in the show and he probably doesn't know rodan uh so it's the names are based on the first name of the, of the commander commander okay yeah so okay. of fred is basically of fred she, like she literally belongs to the commander mm, like okay. it's that degrading Yeah. So that Ofglen is basically yeah. So we don't even know her real name. So maybe we'll get to know her real name as well. Because now no, no, we do, we do. She mentions it, right? Emily. Yeah. In the end of the she third episode, she does mention it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She does mention it. Yeah, I forgot this part. Yeah. Yeah, Emily. Because like yeah, we have a new Ofglen now. So yeah. But yeah, I mean, some of the parts in the show were like quite hard to watch. Watch for me, honestly, because that last part with uh, that whole surgery and all yeah, being done, yeah. I was like, oh man, this is. And the Ofglen scene in the car yeah, as well in the yeah. van. Yeah, like that whole. Okay, I, I won't. Yeah, we have. That's why I'm not mentioning it because, like, yeah. it'll be like, I feel like it, people won't won't want to watch the episode after this. Yeah, well, minor spoilers in this one, not <laughs> not not major ones, you know, as far as we could uh, like manage. One more thing I noticed was in the when I was reading the novel, I don't think I ever noticed that all these uh, characters were of different races. Because yeah. I just assumed that they were all homogenous. Well, uh, right, they were the supposed novel. to be because yeah. we are told in the book. Atwood says that you know all the blacks and the Jews have been thrown out. She, she even has names for them. Gillard created names for them, yeah. and but I think that's so that's a discussion Bruce Miller had with Atwood prior to the making the show, and they decided so like which is the one I quote ended up using in my review as well. So he's like, what's the difference between making a TV show about racist and a racist TV show? Mm. And they really spoke to me. I'm like, that sort of makes sense, you know, especially. in the 30s era 30 years that have passed from the novel i feel like to now make a show that would intentionally exclude people of color would not be right yeah that is most definitely true i mean i totally agree with the approach they've taken it's just there is something that struck out to yeah. me while i was watching it considering that the novel uh, does not really mention you know different genders i mean you would find out that just by something as simple as a dialogue right what yeah. what characters are yeah. saying and sort of naturally makes sense you know what he, he, what he added was that This society is entirely focused in fertility, right? Their main concern is keeping the race alive. Because, like, if no one has babies, if it becomes, 
instead of one and one and five becomes zero and five, you'll all be dead in two generations because mm. everyone's gonna be gone. Mm. So they have put fertility over everything else. Mm. For them, race and other things don't matter as don't much matter as as, as much, much as yeah. fertility matters. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, right. And um, did what did you think about all the I mean, um, sex scenes in in this particular show? So I thought that you know it was incredibly true to the book. Um, mm. Even though it was actually a sex scene, it was like totally. Uh, stripped off all the unnecessary stuff and kept, yeah. like, they kept only the functional things, right? So how did that come across to you? I mean, it was definitely weird, but then then again, we are, it's it's true to like the kind of world that they are living in. Like everything is structured, everything is by, there are rules for everything, you know? So even the act of uh, doing that is in a particular manner where the wife has to assume a particular position and it's, it's kind of weird and unnerving at first when you first see it. Yeah. But uh, I think it's meant to be unnerving. I think the yeah. showrunners like want us to be, you know, like peeved off by it, put off by it. Like what yeah. is happening here? Like this yeah. is almost like brutal in some manner, right? Because yeah. that's what happens. Like when she lets go of her hands, exactly. you can see those marks on her arms. Yeah. That's described as as, as is, is in, in the, the book. Yeah, from yeah. the book, yeah. And what about the childbirth scene? What did you think of that? Yeah, again, the childbirth scene was again very weird and... I mean, the way yeah. the, I mean, initially I was surprised why are all these wives hanging out? Exactly. Like for a, a moment, even the way I they like just showed us like the entry, like, you know, when they commented, like, sorry, go on. Yeah. 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 So, uh, like, you know, you see the, the, the wives in green, uh, of the commanders sitting over there and uh, holding the <laughs> woman who's not actually pregnant, but you know, she's simulating giving birth or being in labor. And then yeah. she goes and she sits behind, I mean, that the one who's made, actually yeah. giving yeah. birth just to get the feel of uh, maybe the whole uh, process. Yeah, so the handmaid she's, is technically not... So she's like, basically, yeah, the yeah. handmaid is doing all the work, but yeah. since these people are privileged and higher up... Yeah, they she get doesn't have enough rank. The she doesn't have enough rank, yeah. so she has to... Yeah, yeah so that's... Well, that, that again, it is yeah. well, well done, but kind of difficult to watch as well. It is kind of... Yeah, very because like, the handmaid gets nothing, like, and like the wives are sitting there and like, how much strawberries and juices are coming, mm. and just like relaxing on like three, four pillows there. And like the the most unnerving part of that scene was obviously when like the as soon as the umbilical cord is cut, like the baby's gone. That's it. Yeah. Like she's the handmaid is, is still on her stool. Like she's basically given birth three seconds ago, and the wives are like resting on a, this lush bed, and then the baby's handed to her, and then like wh- what do you want to name her? And just like, oh god. Yeah, and the whole conflict between the handmaid who gave birth and the wife. That's also very nicely yeah. done. So overall, these things, these little, little touches, I thought were, you know, quite well done in the show. So yeah, that and the soundtrack was probably my highlight of the show. So any of you want to talk about what you're uh, looking forward to from this and uh, future seasons, if any? As I spoke about before, I, I feel like because they want to make the show like longer than one season, because I mean, if it go- becomes popular, I would like to see different perspective. I feel like they can depart from the book in that sense and make it like, a handmade tale of like you know different places or different eras probably at yeah, this season i think it would probably be off its journey yeah, uh, she yeah. manages to, to sort of, yeah. uh, escape or not that probably could be the focus in this yeah. season yeah i don't know in the future season maybe it will be the story of others but i still think like if they want to like do this parallel narrative thing where off glen is sitting in another place emily is sitting in another place and trying to whatever like rebel against the society and all right. then that has to be accompanied with its own narration right you can't have offered um, narrating what emily is doing on the other corner of, yeah. the, of the world i think they're also changing in that aspect like from these three episodes i feel like i can make a good enough guess but i feel like we know in the book where moara ends up right i'm mm. not gonna reveal that yeah i feel like 
for me, offlane might end up there. I have a feeling. Hmm. The, judging by where it's going, because she's what the surgery that happens in episode three, I have a feeling they're gonna give that storyline to offlane, hmm. which is looks like a possibility to me. Yeah, let's see how that goes. And so far, like Mora's location is also unknown, yes. right? Yeah, I'm being this. like very intentionally vague on yeah. this because I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, yeah, but I was very impressed with the casting throughout. I thought that they picked, especially Aunt Lydia, uh, yeah. the lady at what Rachel and Leah Center, right? Yeah, that, that one. So I thought she was like sufficiently spiteful, and you know the, exactly how it's described in the book, which is where like I think uh, consulting Atwood throughout the show. is really showing like that's i mean from a book perspective i was like really happy yeah i mean the casting was good i'm i'm looking for i don't know if they've described in the book what happens to aunt lydia well a lot of fate. things happen uh yeah yeah so i'm kind of hoping like there's like a these the handmaids rebel and uh, sort of yes yeah, so i i really like to see that something scene. happens yeah for sure but yeah. you know like i don't think it's it will be fair to anybody yeah, to yeah, yeah, what sure, exactly happens but uh, yeah overall i'm really looking forward to see, watching more episodes of that yeah so the so let's far let's say if you're expecting a full blown revolution on part of the handmaids that's not coming <laughs> there is there is no disney movie inside here yeah well this okay. i mean society would crumble right if that yeah, true. happen so and i don't think that would be even possible it's already crumbled enough it has <laughs> but there's still some kind of a weird equilibrium over here i don't know how they managed to establish it right, it yeah. is there yeah and yeah let's see how how things work out in, in future episodes i'm definitely going to be watching which is something that you know if i'm saying it it's probably a compliment because <laughs> i don't really watch tv yeah i just wish it would have been easier to for access everyone it, to yeah, sort of access like it close with yeah. that maybe yeah let people in india know how they can access this yeah well uh, vpn <laughs> <laughs> how else would you do it because uh, this is on the hulu's uh, premium tier right it's, yeah, it's i think 5 or 7 dollars a month the original is always like yeah premium yeah so then that's not really available in india yet unfortunately so i mean if you want to wait a year and a half when it comes to tv sure yeah. or it's just uh, follow our website we'll let you the, mo- the moment an indian broadcaster picks it up yeah or uh, well just get a good enough vpn and access hulu from wherever you are <laughs> and yeah pretend you are in the us that's all all right let us to hulu yeah. we want it in india <laughs> <laughs> yeah well okay i think that's all we have for this episode of transition and we will see you with another episode next week if you have any feedback for us you can always write to us we are at podcast p o d c a s t at gadgets360.com so podcast at gadgets360.com is where you contact us and as always don't forget to leave us a review on itunes it really helps us a lot and follow us on facebook twitter youtube and instagram at gadgets360 we'd also like to thank magnus solai paulson for providing us the music for this show